You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to talk about the best exercise for fat loss. And to be sure, that might be a little misnomer because as I pause and let you think about it, you might be thinking squats, burpees, going for a run, rowing. Um, It's not the exercise itself. It's actually what exercise prescription, what is the best type of exercise programming that's optimal to improve body composition. And we're going to look at cardiorespiratory fitness within this as well, because there is a big problem when it comes to doing research about obesity is that most of the people that do research about obesity do not take into consideration individuals' cardiorespiratory fitness. So we'll make some very important points when it comes to this. And uh, I think it's it's very important because a lot of people are going to be listening to this, and I know it's a touchy subject, talking about weight loss. Well, what if somebody is obese and wants weight loss? Don't judge them because they want to lose weight. But what about people who don't, in your opinion, need to lose weight, want to lose weight? Well, there are things that we can do for fat loss, and this is programming that will help those fitness professionals with it. Now, let's just talk about some of the facts that we're going to be looking at. Obesity. Obesity has tripled in the past 35 years worldwide with expectations that there'll be over a billion people with obesity by 2030. Uh, obesity is associated with negative effects with for your health when it comes to uh, metabolic health and diabetes and heart disease and certain types of cancer. And so I'm going to be looking at a meta-analysis done in 2021 by O'Donohue, Blake, Cunningham, Lennon, and Parada. And it is entitled, What Exercise Prescription is Optimal to Improve Body Composition and Cardiorespiratory Fitness in Adults Living with Obesity, a Network Meta-Analysis Done in the Obesity Reviews, an official journal of the International Association of Study of Obesity. Well, let's have this conversation. And one of the things that they say when we look at at all of these kind of side effects and these, not side effects, not the right word, associations, associations between obesity and other health concerns like metabolic disease, um, heart disease, certain types of cancer. And they say, quote, however, the sole focus on weight loss is not optimal as it fails to consider cardiorespiratory fitness, which can at medium to high fitness levels, attenuate the adverse consequences of obesity on health, irrespective of body mass index. So (laughs) for those of you who, uh, and the big concerns, and trust me, as somebody who has diabetes, at some point, fitness for everybody will become more focused on how it can help my health. And early on, it's very focused on how it can make me maybe look better or be stronger or perform at whatever task I'm looking to do. 
for me and for many other people who have chronic diseases like I have, then health and fitness go hand in hand. And that is why it's such a big uh, component of what we do. Well, we're not talking about that necessarily. We're still looking at exercise for fat loss, but just pointing out that those negative associations with obesity can be attenuated by cardiorespiratory fitness. And so increasing cardiorespiratory fitness can help attenuate the, the cardiovascular disease and metabolic diseases and certain types of cancer. And I think that's very important to point out. Well, we've all heard that 300 minutes per week of moderate intensity exercise is good for weight loss. Now, you may have heard 150 minutes is the the amount of exercise that you should be doing for health for better health and um and healthy outcomes for for your fitness well the information technically is 150 minutes to 300 minutes per week and the closer you get to the 300 minutes per week the better association that is for fat loss and the majority of the research for decades decades has been focused on cardio. And when I say cardio, I'm talking specifically the moderate intensity cardiorespiratory training, the aerobic exercise. But there hasn't been as much focus on high intensity uh, interval training or high intensity continuous training or resistance training until recently. <clears throat> so what they do in this study is they, they have done a network meta-analysis. So they go to multiple databases and they pull a lot of information. And so they've ended up with 45 studies that had a total of 3,566 subjects or participants in the study. But the problem is that I kind of like one issue in the review is that most of the studies compare weight loss to a sedentary control group. So it's difficult to compare weight loss against each other. But in this meta-analysis, they looked at six interventions. Intervention number one was aerobic exercise. So, and this one was vigorous intensity. So aerobic exercise, vigorous intensity, and that's an intensity of more than 65% of the BO2 max or more than 65% of your heart rate reserve, more than 75% of your max heart rate. And then number two, was aerobic exercise, moterate intensity. So 45 to 65% of VO2 max, greater than 50 to 65% of your heart rate reserve. And some of you will do VO2 max, uh, but rarely do we do VO2 max in the fitness setting. We'll do that more in a clinical setting. Heart rate reserve, which uh, is similar, we use something called the Carbonin formula, which is one that we utilize quite a bit. And then the max heart rate. And so this would be 65 to 75% of the max heart rate, as opposed to aerobic vigorous activity, which is more than 75% of the max heart rate. So those two aerobic exercise, vigorous, aerobic exercise, moderate, <coughs> excuse me. And then number three is resistance training, high load resistance training, which is an average maximum load of greater than 75% of the one rep max. Number four, training, low to moderate. And that is an average load of 50 to 75% of the one rep max. Okay, so basically those are the four different ones. And then we get two more. We get a combination. The combination of studied exercises is combined high, 
which is vigorous intensity aerobic and high load resistance training. And then number six, combined low to moderate intensity aerobic and low to moderate resistance training. And that's all compared to number seven, which is the control group or the no exercise group. So this meta-analysis looked at several outcomes, including body weight, body mass index, waist circumference, percentage of body fat, and cardiorespiratory fitness. And they said, quote, our main findings indicate that subjects with a BMI greater than or equal to 30 kgs uh, <laughs> and a combined um, combined exercise intervention consisting of aerobic and resistance training, whether it's high or low, is the most promising at reducing waist circumference and body fat percentage, as well as increasing cardiorespiratory fitness despite no substantial weight loss. What? Wait a second. So combined high intensity, so high intensity cardio and resistance training, and combined low to moderate intensity aerobic and resistance training did really well at helping with waist circumference and helping with body fat percentage, but there wasn't actual substantial weight loss. And this is where a lot of times we'll come up and we'll say, oh, you may not be losing weight, but you also may be gaining muscle. If you don't have a way to actually measure that, then you may be doing yourself a disservice or doing a disservice to your clients by saying, well, you're getting more muscular, but you're not losing weight on the scale. You got to be able to measure that. So how can we do that? This says body fat percentage or waist circumference. Well, body fat percentage is a little bit tricky using the the handheld devices and some of the devices we have. So waist circumference measurements are probably a really good way. One of the ways that I like to do the waist circumference measurements is using the ones where you kind of loop it around and then it attaches back into itself and then you push a button on the person. So that way it is always a consistent amount of tightness because one of the things that we do when we try to show progress is we may pull, we may pull that um, measuring tape a little bit tighter than we would have normally, or a little bit tighter than we did with the previous measurement, just to see if we can, I don't know, inadvertently fudge the numbers. We want to see progress. Uh, I think that's why it's very important that you don't look at your last measurement when you measure again, so you don't actually try to beat the last measurement. Can you do that? Out of the six interventions investigated, low to moderate load resistance training was deemed to be the least effective. So if you were doing low to moderate load resistance training, and that's how you wanted to lose weight, it was the least effective. <coughs> Excuse me. And that one's interesting because I find that when people say, oh, I want to want to lose weight and they want to do resistance training or we we hear that I don't want to get too big. I really just want to come to make sure that I can lose weight or body fat. And then you give them 15 reps to 20 reps, 25 reps, and we go, oh, that will be a good way to, to lose weight. Um, unless you are getting that with it. And this is where I think there might be a flaw in this study is that you just give somebody 15 to 25 repetitions but they could have done 25 to 40 repetitions. You know, they're not really pushing themselves to the last few reps where they would be pushed 
for muscle hypertrophy outcomes and things like that, then really you're just doing some type of glycolytic work, but you're not actually pressing yourself. You're not increasing your metabolic rate. And so that's something to be very aware of that if you're going to go with that light or low to moderate resistance training, seeing that as the least effective way for body fat to be lost, then I kind of question, first of all, how hard you're pushing yourself in your last few repetitions, but also sometimes people want to do lighter weights because they don't want to push themselves through harder repetitions. And in order to get to where you need in any type of outcome, you got to push yourself close, close to your um, uh, max. And whether that's a 25 rep max and you get to 25 and maybe you could do 27 or 28, like you're really pushing yourself. If you could have done half a dozen or more, then you didn't really push yourself. You just did a version of cardio to, to, to get there and uh, maybe not that high intensity. At this study, they also looked at the P-score ranking and revealed that when it came to prescribing exercises to improve body composition and fitness, the combined high-intensity cardio and resistance and the combined low-intensity cardio and resistance, along with moderate aerobic activity, were the top three interventions for this population. So resistance and cardio are basically your takeaways. Resistance and cardios are basically your takeaways when it says, hey, can we really look at body fat? Now, don't leave. Don't leave because I've got some really important things to point out, but I'm going to leave this, uh, this O'Donohue study, I think that's uh, the, the head researcher, and let's move to a separate study. Uh, and this is Berg et al. 2021. Now, this is not a meta-analysis, but this is a... Um, this is a study in 2021 entitled The Effects of Aerobic Exercise Intensity on Energy Expenditure and Weight Loss in Severe Obesity, a randomized control trial. So a meta-analysis is a bunch of randomized control trials. This is just a single one, <clears throat> excuse me, but it says in their 8 to 16 week pre-protocol analysis, the high intensity training group and the moderate intensity continuous groups had significantly larger increases in the exercise amount of energy that were um, burned or metabolized during exercise compared with just the moderate intensity control group. So the people who did high intensity and moderate intensity, they did both. They, they actually did a lot better than the people that just did the moderate intensity cardio. Now, high intensity and moderate intensity combined and just the moderate intensity were associated with significant weight loss of 5 kgs and 2 kgs respectively. So the high intensity and the moderate intensity, 5 kg weight loss in that 8 to 16 weeks, and then 2 kgs for people who just did the moderate intensity cardio, the ones who maybe just all they did was go for a longer run, 30 to 60 minutes. But the conclusion that they came away with is that patients completing a 24-week combined high-intensity and moderate-intensity program did not achieve higher energy expenditures in the workouts compared with those who did the 24-week moderate-intensity. However, the, moder uh, the high and moderate combined group experienced on average 
a three kg larger weight loss than the moderate intensity groups. Now, now that's crazy because they didn't burn more calories during the workout. So if if you balance it out, they had the same amount of caloric expenditure. The people that did high intensity and moderate intensity combining versus the people who did just the moderate intensity cardio. The workouts equated the same amount of caloric expenditure. However, at the end of 24 weeks, the combined high intensity and moderate intensity group had 3 kg greater weight loss than the moderate intensity group. Same amount of calories burned during the workout, but by the end of 24 weeks, lost 3 kg more. That's that says something. I don't know what it says. It says something. Now people are like, oh, is that epoch? Is that epoch? Uh, possibly, but I think it goes to show that there are other components to it. I've, I've read in other research that people who did longer duration cardio, um, they may tend to eat more. People who do higher intensity actually feel like not eating for a while after they do high intensity work. So it may be a combination of the workout actually limiting the amount of, of, of food intake. But uh, again, we're not sure and we don't have any decisive conclusions from this particular randomized control trial, but I did think it was very interesting. Now, let's go back to the O'Donoghue meta-analysis. Here's a quote. Cardiorespiratory fitness has been overlooked as a potential modifier of the inverse association between obesity and mortality, despite a growing body of evidence that demonstrates that cardiorespiratory fitness exerts more influence on morbidity and mortality than percent body fat and its distributions. Even the most recent meta-analysis investigating the effectiveness of different exercise interventions for adults living with obesity continue to exclusively focus on anthropometric measurements to establish the efficacy or the effectiveness and they do not include cardiorespiratory fitness in their analysis. And there, my friends, is where I think there's a problem. They don't focus on cardiorespiratory fitness when those with obesity that are cardiorespiratorily fit don't have any additional increased morbidity or mortality rates. And we know that people who are thinner, people who are skinny, that are also not cardiorespiratorily fit, have an increased chance of morbidity and mortality along with all the other <clears throat> uh, chronic diseases that come from that. All right, let me, let me just point out one more thing from this study, and I think it's very important I want to share with you. And this is a quote, in adults with body mass index greater than 30 kg per meter squared exercise as an isolated intervention, irrespective of its perspective components, high intensity, low intensity cardio <coughs> resistance has a minimal effect on body weight. Man, if you're really looking at whether or not fitness is the best way to lose weight, it's not. It's not the best way to lose weight. However, over and over again, we see that the best way for people who are seeking out weight loss, if that is a goal of yours, 
than exercise, attention to your diet, and behavioral modifications tend to do much better than any individual thing. So you can check your diet and that diet's going to be great. And it can be short-lived if you don't have the behavioral uh, interventions to create long-term change. So then you can change like my mom did throughout her yo-yo dieting uh, and in her lifetime. I'd try something, everything worked, but everything always came back because it was always, uh, let me try this. And it wasn't really a lifestyle change. So behavior change, dietary changes, and increased physical activity. It goes on to say, quote, given the comparatively limited impact on, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, uh, body weight and body mass index, more focus should be placed on other anthropometric measurements, such as uh, waist circumference and body fat percentage, and perhaps more importantly, the measure of cardiorespiratory fitness. Based on the most up-to-date and best available evidence, results from this review suggest the optimal exercise program to induce the most clinically important changes to waist circumference, to percentage body fat, and to cardiorespiratory fitness in adults living with obesity is a program of combined high-intensity cardio and high-intensity resistance training. Well, there's a study from O'Donoghue that I would like to share with you. I hope you take with it, do with it what you will. Um, but for me, this speaks volumes. And I love that they, they speak to the importance of not just focusing on exercise. But if you did and you were to pick an exercise, it would actually be two. It would be high-intensity cardio and high-intensity resistance training. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family, and leave a review. The reviews, all of these, like, subscribe, and sharing, and the reviews are all very helpful for us at the podcast, at NASM, for the, the NASM Podcast Network, and that helps us be seen by more people, um, and it also gives feedback. Also, if you have bad feedback, don't leave a review. Just email me. Email me at rick.richie at nasm.org or DM me uh, at dr.rickrichie on Instagram and threads and let me know what your beef is. And then I'll see if I can change, if it's changeable and is of deserving of change. All right. Uh, reach out to me and let me know what you would like to hear next if there's a particular topic. With that being said, I want to say to you, keep inspiring people to fitness. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.